Everyone and welcome to Ladies Night, the official podcast of US Chess Women. I'm your host Jennifer Shahadi and you're listening to the artist Huga of hugamusica.com and that is a song that certainly captured my heart. Oh Capablanca. His bishop was small. Thanks to everyone who supports the podcast through shares and reviews and Apple Live. If you want to get more involved in all we do at US Chess to empower girls and women through chess, please consider a tax-deductible donation of any size to our US Chess Women program and reach out to me with any questions. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ladies' Night. This is Jennifer Shahadi, and today I have a very exciting guest. She is Laurel Aronian. She is a 10th grader at St. Luke's School in Connecticut. She's president of the chess club there. She's also helped me to spearhead initiatives as a teen ambassador for U.S. chess women, including events at our girls' club rooms. She's had her writing published in international and chess publications, and she has a blog on chess.com. You can even check out Laurel's writing in the August edition of Chess Life Kids, which focused on our girls' club. Laurel is also the founder of Chess in One Day, a volunteer initiative that teaches chess to children, including 100 kids that she has personally taught. Laurel, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be here. So Laurel, you are at an age where a lot of teen girls drop out of chess, but it seems like you are just as passionate about chess as ever. So tell us a little bit about your trajectory. Yeah, so I've gotten more into chess recently in the past few years because a lot of it's been due to this. For one thing, going to tournaments is awesome and I love competing. I love the game itself and I love kind of the social climate and the environment and really having friends in the game has kept me in the game, I think, to a large degree, especially the club around me and the friends I've made, both girls and boys in chess. And I think that in the future, I'd really like to continue with the club. And also in terms of goals for chess, I'd love to become a master. I love that. That's a great goal. So at what age did you actually learn the moves of chess? I learned chess before kindergarten. But I really got into it when I was at school in kindergarten. So I learned from my parents and family friends. Oh, so you learned it at school in kindergarten or at home or a combination of both? I learned it at home and then I worked on it a lot at school. Oh, so you had kindergarten at your, you had chess at your kindergarten. Yeah. I don't know if you know Jonathan Korblau. Oh yeah, of course. He was my, he was our chess coach. So I went to Trinity and he was our, he, he made the game really exciting. So that definitely kept me in it. Oh yeah, Jonathan Corbla is a legend. He's uh, yeah. not only good at chess, but good at like almost every game and definitely at like making chess exciting. Totally, yeah. Do you remember what you first liked about chess? I think I really liked the crazy odds, how I would be in a losing position and I could convert it to a winning position if I stayed in it long enough. Because I remember when I was younger, we'd get into these crazy games and 
even if one of my opponents was better than me, it was about pulling through and staying alive. Yeah. Yeah. So the, you like the kind of like pulling a win out of nowhere. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. And, and how did what you love about the game change as the gears passed? Well, over time, I think that, well, there was definitely a period of time where I really loved improving and getting better. That was when I, I went to a Montessori school for a period of time and I had a coach there and I had some friends in the clubs. So we were all, we had a lot of friendly competition. So at that point it was about getting better. Kind of that was what drove me in it. And I had a great coach too. So that pushed me in the game. And more recently, I've really liked the objectivity of the game. So kind of as I do a lot of artistic stuff outside of chess and having something that's more black and white and more uh, direct to comprehend has been appealing to me more recently. Oh, that's fascinating. So you feel like chess is like a good foil for like the arts where chess is super objective and... Yeah, it uses a different part of my brain. What are your favorite arts? I do a lot of music. I'm, I write songs and I uh, sing my songs. I also play guitar and I used to do a lot of drawing when I was younger. See, that really interests me because one of the reasons I think chess is really good for young people is that it teaches you how to have a flow experience. Yeah. Did you find that kind of applicable or transferable from like, say, chess to music? It definitely is because sometimes it'll take me a really long time to write a song. I'll be spending probably up to four or five hours in one sitting working on one. And when I'm playing chess, the tournaments kind of prepare me for that because I'll really get in the mode and I'll be like, oh, half an hour's passed and I'll look at my phone. It's been or I guess my watch in that case, because I don't, I'm in a playing hall and it'll be, have been five hours and I'll be like, oh my gosh, it's very easy to get engaged. Definitely. That's beautiful. And so it's like so many different twists and turns on like your chess journey. Like you got into it because you like to win, then you like to improve. And then you like to like the kind of art of the game mm-hmm. and the social and the social and kind of like historical stuff as well. That's Yeah. I think that's really important because the more ways that people like chess, the more likely they are to stay with it. Totally. That's one of the big things I see in it. Because if you have just one draw to the game, if that ever falls off, it's easier to fall out of the game. And I love having the social climate because it almost has to keep you in. Because if you want to keep friends through that game, you have to keep playing the game. And then you see the other stuff you love in it too. Because our survey data shows consistently that the reason girls love chess is because they like to win. (laughs) And and that's, and that's great. I love that they love to win. And that's the reason they're playing. But I think what you're saying is right. That could tie into like the dropout rate at like 12, 13, because there does come a point in chess where you plateau from, you know, studying your tactics and doing work with your coach. And if that coincides with other friends of yours dropping out of the game, that could be like a perfect storm to make you not want to play anymore. Definitely. Yeah. I think also the culture of chess is an important thing to keeping people in it because I mean, that's just, I love the community in tournaments and that like other sports, you can have the feeling of winning and things like that. But I feel like chess is very unique in the community. So that's another draw for me. And I think for other people as well. What is unique in the community about chess in your opinion? You meet a lot of really interesting people. Like they're, they're all very different types of people. Like I have one friend who plays chess and he's like a total sports guy. Like he's one of the cool kids and he's just like, he plays like 15 sports and it's crazy. And then I have other friends who are like studying computer science and they're more, and I have other friends still who are into the arts and stuff. And even with like the older people I meet who aren't my age, like I met a person at a tournament recently who he was a, he worked with satellites and 
his friends were saying he'd get to space or something. So that that was so cool. And I meet people who are into psychology and all sorts of stuff. Right. A lot of different fields and backgrounds. So you meet people that are kind of like outside your immediate circle that you're less likely to meet in, you know, your music or your everyday classes. Yeah, definitely. That's why I've, I think I've kept so many of the friends I've made in chess just because they're, it's kind of a specific group of people who I've come to know through it. And so you also have this drive to keep more girls into the game in addition to obviously just yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about the reason that that's important to you? Well, I think having girls in the game is useful because they're people who can really relate to you when playing chess because my friends who are guys and who play the game, they, they have different different stuff they deal with in it. And I've met other girls who have dealt with kind of people being rude to them in tournaments. And I've also met girls who just want more friends who are girls in it. And the people who they can like find, the people who they can talk to about that are other girls. So that's why it's so important to have them in the game with them. And it's the kind of community they need to keep them in it. I totally agree. And one of the things you did that you helped us with at US Chess Women is getting more teen girls connected and even suggesting to have like a special teen event for them at our girls club rooms. So tell us about how you came up with that idea. Yeah, well, I noticed I love the girls club events and there's a select group of people in it who I noticed were like, there's the younger group and there's the older group. And I was kind of thinking, well, they both have different interests because they're different ages and the girls club is kind of like a unifier for them. But it'd be cool to give the older girls something of their own where they could make friendships with people their own age outside of the girls club as well. So another source for that. And I, it, it really just had to do with the social aspects and finding people to make friends with who I could spot at tournaments. And I'm actually planning on doing another this year. So that would, that's one of my goals when I come to Maryland uh, in December. Oh, yay. K-12. We will be having a girls club there. So yes. yes. <laughs> Very excited about that. Yeah, I think you're totally right, by the way. And I think a lot of girls who play chess, uh, are pretty polite. Um, and when you have a lot of very young girls there, I think sometimes they kind of cede the floor to the youngsters in a way. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. they're, they're little, so they like, you know, need to take advantage of this more. And that's very kind and polite, but in a way it's like, no, we want it to be for everyone. So having something specially for them is really nice. It was an idea I recently had as well in, um, in my program, Chess in One Day, because it's it's very interesting, but the amount of girls in the program have been increasing more and more as we have each session. And there's generally about half of the people who become learning to play chess are girls. And that's not the number of people who stay in or, or of girls who stay in the game. So I actually had the idea of creating a separate kind of group for the girls almost so they could have socialization with each other. Aside from after learning how chess works, they can play with each other and hang out. And it would be an off branch because of how many girls have learned the game. I love that. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of, well, it's interesting that girls and boys drop out at a similar age, partly because their academic and athletics and social life becomes more intense. So I don't think it's anything against chess. It's like chess is just the collateral damage unless they're totally in love with it. Or like you said, if they feel like they get unique social ties from it, it could be anything. It's like chess or piano, it's like something's got to go at some point, it seems for a lot of kids. Yeah. Since you seem to have a very busy life with a very, you know, a very intense academic um, pursuit as well, give us a sense of how busy you are. Like what's a typical day like and how do you squeeze chess in? Well, I'll generally, <laughs> I guess, 
something that happens during the day is I'll wake up, I'll go to school. And what something I, something I really try to do is to get as much homework done in school as possible and as much chess done in school as possible. Because when I come home, I have a ton of homework. So I'll have to be writing essays and studying for tests for the majority of my afternoon. So when I'm in school, I'll have lunch. And sometimes during lunch, I'll be just doing chess puzzles or trying to get homework done or in the car on the way to school. That's one of the big times I try and get homework done or do chess puzzles as well. And then when I get home, when I have a free moment after or before my homework, I'll, that's when I generally do my more intense studying of openings and things like that. So I fit it in when I get the chance and I really try and keep it consistent, like do it every day. It sounds like you're working like all day long. I mean, it really, it's, I feel like for me, it's really about breaking it up. So as long as I'm not doing something for too long of a period of time, it's the other stuff that I do in that period of time feels like a break. So if I'm working on English for an hour and I start working on history, it's kind of a break from the English. So. So there's this fascinating debate in education now, mm-hmm. and I wonder if you've heard about it, about no, no homework, especially in ah. the younger ages, because, you know, your your mother is a professor in education, right? She has a doctorate yeah. in education. So I'm sure maybe you have some insight into this, not only as a, you know, a very serious student yourself, but also as the daughter of Dr. Karen Aronian. Well, I think homework has value in the way that it's meant to have value when it's used as what it's meant to be used for. And that is as a tool to help people understand stuff that they don't get. And when teachers cross that line and just assign busy work, there's really no point to that. And I believe that school is when people should be putting in the studying and home is when they should be doing their independent studying. So I'm not going to make this broad claim without backing, but sometimes I get the feeling that homework should be optional because if you really need help, Teachers should provide the resources for you to get that help and to give you like the worksheets and things like that, but not make it necessary for you to do that stuff. Because if you understand the material and don't need review, that's on you and you're mature enough to understand that. I feel like my brain works well with like homework because I don't, I I learn well by like reviewing things and not, but not everybody is like that. And also, you know, there's also this other debate that's kind of, I feel like corollary to the homework debate, which is children seem to do really, really better in almost every category, like whether it's mental health or success or social life, when they get a lot of sleep. And obviously that could be counter to to tons of homework. Yeah, I strongly agree with that aspect. It's difficult getting sleep when you have a busy schedule with a ton of homework. And you really have to weigh your grades and your well-being, which shouldn't really be something you have to weigh because I feel like they ultimately equate to your well-being in the end. So teachers should just give students, in my opinion, the option to not always have to make that decision and compromise their health. Yeah, it's it's funny. I don't know if there's been any serious studies of chess and sleep, but there's definitely been a lot of studies of sleep and cognition. Yeah. And so clearly one of the best things you can do if you are playing in a chess tournament is to make sure you get lots of sleep before the rounds. Yeah, th- those blitz tournaments are risky. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, When I've done them once or twice, it's Sometimes the next day I regret it because I'll be so tired for my next game. So you mentioned that you study your openings on your own or do you study them with a coach? I have a coach, but what we when I see my coach, I ask my coach questions on my openings. But for me, I just have, I make studies on Lee Chess or whatever platform I can use. And I put in the moves that I have to memorize. And when I study openings, it's generally just me working on memorization and find playing games seeing what happens in those games and then 
adding those lines as they occur. Oh yeah, that's great. That's really smart for sure. And and what about puzzles? You mentioned doing puzzles in the car. Yeah. Do you use your app or do you use book or combo? I use an app now, but when I was at camp over the summer, I used I used a book, which was really it's a different experience. I used to do that in the past and you can't really get I guess one of my old coaches called it like happy from just doing the clicks. Like you can't just uh guess random moves and happen to be right. You really have to think it through. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. If especially for anyone listening who's plateaued in digital tactics, switching to paper is really smart. Just that switch might help you. Yeah. Now it's funny you mentioned the camp because I remember corresponding with your mom around that time and she said that this was a no devices camp. That is fascinating. Tell me about that and what did you learn from it? Well, I what I, I've actually gone to camps with no devices for a long time. So I, I've been like where I'm unable to really work on the stuff that I want to work on online. Cause a lot of the stuff I do in my free time, you know, I write music, sometimes using music sheet programs online and stuff like that. I just say that it's a nice experience because it's, it takes you away from the digital world per se, but there's a lot of convenience in doing things online. So I dislike that aspect because a lot of times that's the way I'm the most creative. You feel like when it's over, you're like really excited to get back to more efficient style working. Yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely true. But it does give me a nice break. So that's another benefit to it, I'd say. That's really interesting. I'm thinking of like a curve where if you are online all the time, you're completely inefficient. And if you're never online, you're not making use of the efficiency of being online. So you need like to be somewhere in the middle. That's so true. Yeah, you need the, you need the gaps so you can have online, offline, online, so on and so forth. You've been a really, really wonderful both student and volunteer and um, connector. You know, you've helped a lot of teen girls get involved in our girls club. This has been going on online now for two and a half years, our online girls club, which started during the pandemic. And then also our live girls club has been going on for even longer than that. Can you tell us about some of the highlights for you um, from the girls club? Sure. We've had sessions in different languages. We had one where we learned about uh, chess and Spanish, and I loved that because I take Spanish in school. That was one of the ones I wrote an article about. I also loved one of the ones where I believe that we had students come in and or just chess players in general who spent time doing, who talked about their other hobbies and interests than chess. So I think some of them talked about science and them talked about college and chess. I found that one so useful. College and chess was big. And one of our guests was a musician as well. And she played one of the songs she had about chess. And I thought that was really cool. That one was about a year ago, at least, I think. I think you're talking about Sophie Morris um, Suzuki or... Yes, yes. I think that might have been the one. That one That one was really good. And I think there were other people in that session as well who were not just musicians or who kind of had a variety of hobbies in chess. Yeah, there was Jennifer Yu, Annie Wang came yep, to one of those. I remember that. There was uh, Fiki Hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the session. I found the discussion about... Uh, definitely the discussion about what was it college and chess particularly useful um, since a lot of times I feel like girls need to see where chess will take them in the future and like for me especially I want to see my trajectory with it and it's nice seeing that people still pursue it in college so a lot like big chess clubs in college and stuff like that so that's what I enjoyed about that one also the one with uh, Anya, Ta- Anya Taylor-Joy was uh, and Gary Kasparov very cool and uh, of course, Judith Polgar, that was amazing. 
<laughs> the uh, the long game that we had. Yeah, you wrote about that for Chess Kids, for Chess yeah. Life Kids, the, the game that we played against Judith Polgar in her like international simul. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. That was such an amazing opportunity because I can tell people like I, I got to play Judith Polgar coolest thing I was actually quarantined during that time so I was at first I was like oh god I'm not gonna feel that well so it's like kind of a bummer but then I was like wow what a great way to like pass eight (laughs) hours in this like little hotel room that I'm not allowed to leave (laughs) and it was so exciting at the end I'm sure my neighbors or the neighbors in the hotel were like what's going on there (laughs) and Judith also came to do like a Q&A with our club as well so yeah she's 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 obviously legend and uh an inspiration very generous glad you you feel like you've gotten some great experiences from them I have too I mean I've been inspired by a lot of those as well and the girls who talk about college and chess there's also a common thread that it seems that chess helps some girls get into the college of their choice I mean, that's one reason I really like girls staying in the game. I think a lot of them aren't thinking that far ahead at like 11 or 12, nor maybe should they be. I don't feel like people should be strategizing how to get into college at 11. Like maybe their parents can do that. But it does seem like, man, if you just held on, maybe like this would help you with being like different than everyone else and the way that that can be a strength rather than a weakness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think when I'm being like, I think back to myself when I was younger and I'm like, wow, I wish I, I wish I stayed in that more. I wish I uh, continued with piano because it's like, it would be of such use to me now. And I just think that's why it's really important to bring chess to younger girls as well. That's uh, just because it's a good time to keep them in the game. You know, you said something really interesting in our, one of our recent girls clubs, I was actually just reviewing the tape because we're putting a video up of it. And it's, it was the session about playing like a girl Mm -hmm. and the way that Obviously, in our club, playing like a girl is a positive thing, meaning that you're playing great, but that in historically and sometimes colloquially, it's considered bad. Yeah. And, you know, the girls were all sharing their experiences of how guys or boys made fun of them or their coaches made fun of them or underestimated them. And, you know, you mentioned this idea that you should try to block it all out and if you could do that, if you could succeed in doing that, you would end up playing better than ever. There are varying degrees to um, the difficulties you'll be facing when you're uh, like facing gender discrimination and stuff like that. So you can't necessarily always block it out. But, you know, really when I, that, that's kind of the, comes back to the objectivity thing for me, because it's, it takes away from the more social aspect for me and just makes it a lot easier to, I just love how I'm able to, if I need to just really focus on the moves and that's it. Like if that's a necessity, like I enjoy doing that and it just helps me block out everything that might not be great. Yeah, you're right. It, it helps block out the negative, but also in a way the positive. Cause I remember I also love chess for the social aspects. Like I wasn't that popular yeah. in high school, but in chess, I was very popular. I And that meant that like all my friends were there and it was like so exciting. Yeah. And even when I was playing my game, I wanted to like see how they were doing. I still do that. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like when I get up the stretch, when I'm like, let's look at this from another perspective, take a walk. I'll just go see how my friends are doing. I'll be like, oh, good. He's up a rook. That's good. I'll come back. I'll sit down at my board and it'll be like a nice refresher. And then I can go back into focusing. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's like, it's not that people should be expected to block out like harassment or negativity, Mm -hmm. but it's just the point that if you can, 
it will be more pleasant and, you know, being able to like, kind of like find those coping strategies is like really useful for in continuing to enjoy chess. Personally, I think that most girls and women who stay with the game are of that personality type where they're able to block stuff out and they're very strong, but I, I don't think that we only want one type of person in the game, right? Exactly. Yeah. That, that, like I said, that's the great part, the variation of people that you get. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I do register my opponent from time to time. And, you know, so I'm, I, I'm so accustomed to playing against boys that recently when I play, when I play girls in the past, they're more scary to me because like, especially uh, girls from the chess club that, that, um, from your club, because I've, they, they just get trained well. And I'm like, oh no, like I've got a storm coming. And does that mean that you prefer playing open to girls tournaments or what, what is your preference? I don't have a preference. I've played in one girls tournament in my experience and that was the herring. I really haven't developed much of a preference yet. But did you like that experience playing the herring girls tournament? I did. It was all my opponents were, I, I just noticed it was so easy to talk to them after the game and before the game. And it was a lot more like a game, kind of. We both were taking it seriously for ourselves, but able to simultaneously just enjoy it and enjoy each other's company as well. So you made new friends there. I did. Yeah. And even the younger kids I played after the game, like if I beat them, they weren't, it was easier to talk it through about with them. And they were all like open to listening, I guess, because they kind of just saw me as another friend who they could discuss what had happened with. So what do you think the chess world should do to make the game more exciting for, you know, not just girls, but teenagers in general? Because like, like I said before, you know, it's not just girls, teen girls just drop out. It's really teenagers, period. Well, (laughs) this is kind of a funny point. But I'd say that in general, if you're having a chess gathering or something like that, the importance of food is definitely there. Like in my chess club, if I tell people like, well, chess cookies, people show up, they're always into that. And that's just a good way to get people there. And then once they're there to up the excitement, that's really just about making the environment competitive in a friendly way. Um, Like the banter that we have and just the fun trash talking and the competitive games is really what I find exciting and engaging about the game. Tournaments are great too, because I love the competition and I'm always excited when we have one in chess club, I'll be like, yes, I get to, that's what I love about girls club too. Like the cross-cultural tournaments. Uh, That's one of my favorite things that we do. Yeah. Those are two of the big things for me. Yeah. Food. That's a really good point. Teenagers eat a lot of food. (laughs) Teenagers love food. Yeah. (laughs) They need more food. And actually that, that was part of the cornerstone of your idea with the teen girls it was a pizza pizza party always a pizza party yeah yeah with my uh, program too chess in one day every time that we meet up I'm like come teach chess with us and after you can come get pizza and ice cream in town and also hang out in town and that definitely it brings in the social aspect and it brings in the aspect of food so you get a large amount of people interested in teaching chess and I'd say that it's a lot harder to get people to go than to keep them there because it's very fulfilling to actually bring new people into the game, but the idea of it isn't always that appealing to busy high schoolers. So, And pizza is very fulfilling as well. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely learned in these like events just the idea of not really giving up with recruitment, too. That's kind of my philosophy with it. Like I started a chess club in middle school. It flopped initially, but it ended up having the benefit of being able to turn it into and being able to merge it with the upper school chess club and making the club bigger as a whole. So it's kind of like, don't give up because the long-term benefit will definitely outweigh any short-term 
I guess, downfalls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's like embedded within chess itself as well, that it's like... So much, yeah. It's it's difficult and that failure is is part of the success. You also love chess swag. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I have chess shirts and as long as they're not cringy, they're great. I love them. And it just lets people know. Recently, I, right now, I'm trying to fundraise for my club to get shirts for the team because it really promotes the team spirit. And having that spirit, again, contributes to the culture of chess. I went to the East Amateur Open. We were the hyperactive dragons. And that just made it like twice as fun because we all had costumes. It's just like really getting engaged in it beyond the game itself. You love the U.S. Amateur Team East, huh? That was such a fun tournament. Yeah. Tell me about your favorite favorite item of chess swag. Ah, the, the hat for U.S. Women's Chess. I wear that around. The black and the red one? Yep, that I got at Nationals. I wear that one around. It looks good on everyone. Uh, I love hats, so <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it is really good. You guys can get that at U.S. Chess Sales if you're listening to it. It looks really good on on men and women and kids. It's kind of like, well, red is my favorite color, so I'm biased. But I feel like red and black just looks good on everyone. <laughs> yeah, red, black, and white. Like every time I... uh send out a chess announcement. Those are the three colors I use. Also the uh, US chess bag. I know that you believe female chess role models are really important and yeah. particularly in marketing. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? Totally. Um, I was, so something I was thinking about was a lot of times, you know how there's the American girl dolls and they have like the sports players and the scientists and the same with Lego. And it's kind of like, why don't they have chess players? Like you can expand your field so much to create this sport, to include the sport. That's also an art. And again, it gets the game introduced to girls at a young age and they see role models of chess players so if you have i don't know a lego of judah pulgar like that's gonna that's gonna get girls in, interested and involved i totally agree and i mean you see more of that now with a lot of like celebrity chess players being female not just judah pulgar but also like the botez sisters who have been to our girls club or yeah anna rudolph and there's just a lot of really top personalities that are female, right? Like higher proportion than those who play. So we've, we've been like really successful in that area. Yeah, that that has been great. I know a lot of people who are casual chess players, but they they know of all these top chess women because, or even who aren't chess players, they still know about them because of the being on Twitch and YouTube. I think that is kind of like the bridge in a way, because when people go to college, sometimes they don't have time to play as much chess. But it seems like a lot of them are kind of getting their fix from like playing online, YouTube and Twitch. And then maybe they'll also play a tournament here and there. How do you envision your like post high school chess life? I definitely love to play chess in college. That is one of my big goals for the future. So I'd like to improve the level at which I could do that. And like I said before, I'd really like to become a master and I'd like to teach more students because I find that really fulfilling. I also just overall, I think that girls seeing Girls playing chess in college is big because they can understand that they can get there and that it's going to keep being a game. That's what I love about it because it's a game for life. Yeah, that's always been just important to me, being able to continue with the game even after high school. We're very lucky to have you continue with it because you're such you're such a ray of sunshine and um, innovation. Um, and so you and your your family are always great to have at chess tournaments. Your brother also plays and is very innovative as well. So it's, it's really great to hear that you want to stick with it. Um, behind Laurel is also a very special chess board. Tell us about that chess board behind you. Yeah, this was, a, uh, this was one of the chess boards that we got signed in the, 
it's just signed by some of the participants in the Sinkerfield Cup, I believe in. Nice. 18 or so. Yeah. It was really cool getting to check it out. Do you got you have Magnus Carlson on there? I do have Magnus Carlson on there. Nice. Yeah, we also got the commentators. I think I have your signature on it. Yeah, I think I recognize my little straw. There's somebody in yep. the center who has a really nice signature. Oh, it's Yasser. Yasser's yep. got, Yasser's got the, the A plus sig for Definitely. sure. <laughs> I think that was MVL. It's the, the very circular one. Now, how about Levon Aronian? Because you guys share the same last name. Yeah, we had his two on here. Um, I think it's that. If it's if it's not on here, it's on a different board. Tell us about that. Is there a relation? And is he your favorite player? I don't know if we're directly related, but our families are very close. And yeah, I, I really, my brother and I really look up to him as a role model. Oh yeah, yeah. What's your favorite thing about Levon? He's got a great personality, a lot of class. Very down to earth. Well, it was beautiful talking to you, Laurel. I mean, very inspiring. And if there's one thing that people can do to kind of like, kind of continue like what you love, which is to get more girls and women into the game, what do you, what do you suggest they do? Like I said at the beginning, don't give up. Just really keep trying, no matter how hard that plateau is, even in your own chest, just keep pushing through because the setback is, geez, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the setback is a setup for a comeback. Ah, <laughs> yeah. I love that. That needs to be in mm-hmm. a chest swag t-shirt. <laughs> yep. I'd wear it. Even though it, it's not actually my quote, but I would wear it. Well, Laurel Aronian, she is a high school chess player. She is the founder of Chess in One Day. She's a writer and she's the ambassador, the teen ambassador for U.S. Chess Women. Um, It's been a pleasure to have you on Ladies Night. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you like what we're doing at U.S. Chess to encourage women and girls to explore STEM fields, accentuate competence, and approach an even ratio with a focus on intersectionality, your donation to our U.S. Chess Women programs is always appreciated and tax deductible. The U.S. Chess Suite of Podcasts, including Ladies' Night, are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media. Please visit sevenseasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Don't forget to listen and subscribe to all U.S. Chess Podcasts from One Move at a Time, Cover Stories, and The Chess Underground. Till next time, may every night be Ladies' Night. Now according to Sockfish I got it all wrong After slightly advantage I had nothing But my dear Capablanco